Well, good morning. How's everybody? Well, that is about the weakest. I'm doing great. I've ever heard. How you doing? Okay, one more time. I think three is a charm. All right. How you doing? Oh, that sounds so much better. All right. Hey, I want to tell you a story about Miss Alma. Anybody ever heard of Miss Alma? Only if you're in the first service, you heard of Miss Alma. So uh, Tammy and I, our first church, we pastored in South Louisiana, just outside of Baton Rouge. And that, that in itself is a story. I mean, I could write a book about all that went on in South Louisiana. But one day after I'd graduated from seminary, I got my master's degree, and my dad, one of the gifts my dad gave me was a pen and pencil set, and they were cross pens. Now, that doesn't really mean a whole lot anymore because nobody writes, but, but at the time, a gold set of cross pins was kind of significant. So I remember I was, uh, I was after church, and I took my pen out, and I was writing something, and Miss Alma looked at my pen, and she said, that's an awful pretty pen. Now, what you have to understand, Miss Alma, she was very, very old, and her job was watching old people. One day I said, what do you, she said, I have to go to work. I said, what do you do, Miss Alma? She said, I, I watch old people. I said, well, you're old. She goes, oh, they're older than me. But Miss Alma had the sweetest heart. She had dropped out of school early so she could put her sister through nursing school. And she cared for people all the time. And she saw my pen and she wanted that pen. I could tell she wanted the pen. And I said, Miss Alma, could I give you this pen? And she said, uh, oh, I couldn't take your pen. I said, no, take my pen. And she took the pen and every Sunday after that Sunday, she wore that pen on her dress like a piece of jewelry. And I realized that was her glory. That was a little piece of what made Miss Alma feel good, was that little cross pin. Now, it meant something to me, but it meant more to her. And as I thought about the glory that she wore around with a cross pin, I thought about how God gives his glory to us. And it means a lot to him, but he knows it's going to mean even more to him when we carry his glory. And when we go from glory to glory to glory, because you see, what we have to understand, it was always God's intent that we would be close to him, that we would walk in his glory, that we would know his power, we would walk in his strength, that all of those things would just be a part of our life. When you go back and read the book of Genesis in chapter 1, it's Adam and Eve and God in the garden. It was Adam who heard God walking in the cool of the garden. It was God who spoke to Adam and Eve and God who gave the warning and God who gave the encouragement there. It was God with man. And if you fast forward from Genesis to the book of Revelation, you find there, there is the garden again. And now it's a perfect garden. There is no serpent and there is no tree of the knowledge of good and evil, only the tree of life and God is in the midst of her. And there is man there in the midst. And it says the glory of God will be upon their faces, that God is with them in all things. And that has always been God's intent, God's original plan. So let me just put it this way. God's original purpose was for heaven and earth to be one. That was always it. And when we have that feeling that God has kind of moved into our world and God has settled down into our space, 
and we're aware of him, we know that. We say, I I feel the Lord, or I feel the presence of God, or I feel like God is close to me. However you articulate that, it means the same thing. The idea is that God has moved into your world, and you sense that movement in your life. I like to put it like this, heaven and earth kiss in the spirit realm. As I was leaving the, the, the coming out of the coffee shop a, a little bit earlier after the first service, you know, there was a couple in our church, and she had come to the second, and he had come to the first, and he gave her a kiss. And, and I watched that, and I thought, that's what God does in the spirit realm. He pauses, and he gives you a kiss. And he says, I love you, and he draws you into himself. You know, how many of you like lightning? Let me just change the metaphor a minute. How many of you like lightning? Lightning, we don't ever see it, right? I mean, lightning is like this coolest thing, and when I lived in the northeast or, or in the, uh, yeah, the east, uh, northeast uh, coast in, in New York area, we'd see thunderclouds, we'd see storm, we'd see lightning all the time, and we don't think much about it, but we appreciate it and we, we respect the power of it. And I began to study a little bit about lightning because I felt like there was some spiritual analogy we could get from it. Well, the way that, that lightning works, it's a rising and falling of moisture within a cloud. And what happens in that, in that cloud is when the, when the moisture on one side gets unbalanced with the other side of the cloud, there's an arc of lightning, of energy, that, that balances the two out so that that energy stays the same within that cloud. So that happens when one part of the cloud gets heavy, so to speak, heavily charged with energy. And then what happens is when that cloud is over-energized, it discharges power down to earth. Now stay with me on this because this really gets amazing. What, What clouds do is they generate negative energy. Earth generates positive energy. And when you begin to understand how that works is that land, what land does is it gathers energy in one place, and when that that energy is gathered, it's positively charged energy. So now you have negatively charged energy in in the atmosphere, and you have positive energy on the earth. There are actually spots on the earth that are called hot spots. There's so much positive energy that is generated there that lightning strikes often. In fact, Genesis, uh, Book of World Records says that there is one man who holds a record of being struck by lightning. Are you ready for this? Seven different times. Now, I don't know about you, but I would move, right? I mean, like once is enough, but seven times I'm struck by lightning. But, uh, but there is some kind of a, an energy there that those two collect and they come together. Now, here's what's really fascinating. They took slow motion uh, photography of a lightning storm, and what they realized was that most often the bolt of lightning does not start in the cloud, it actually starts on earth. That the energy is so great, the positive energy on earth is so great, that literally instead of going from heaven down, it goes from earth up. So I want you to think about, this is a cloud, okay? This is a lightning bolt, however they look. And down here, when there's a collection point here, there's a connection here with what that object is and with that energy from above, something dynamic happens. That something, I believe, has a spiritual application to it. According to scientists, it's rare when this is initiated 
from heaven. This energy is initiated from earth most of the time. So the power surge that happens in this situation happens from earth upward. If we're going to connect with God, most often it's going to be because we reach up and connect with him most people say, well, if God wants to get my attention, let's get my attention. Or if God wants to come down, God will come down. No, God wants you to take the initiative as a new creature in Christ Jesus who understands the power and the presence and the need to be in his power and in his pr- presence all the time. So now watch this. Earth reaches down to heaven to receive and earth reaches, or heaven reaches up to earth to give. So what we have is we have God saying, let me give you something. Earth saying, let me have something. So when you extend your hands, when we symbolically, if you, if you raise your hands while we're singing or praying or whatever, what you're really doing is you're symbolically saying, I want to receive everything I can from you, God. I want to get as close to you as I can, God. God, I want, to, I want to demonstrate in this way that I'm serious about God. Now, it's not necessary to do that to connect with God. But I will tell you that the Hebrew word Judah is where we get our word Yadah, and it literally means the thrusting forth of the hand. The tribe of Judah literally means the thrusting forth of the hand in praise. It's an act of praise to lift your hand. And God says you should Yadah. You should praise me all the time. So watch this. God created in the physical universe an attraction between heaven and earth. When you're recreated in Christ, there's an attraction that you have for heaven. There's something about it. When you, when you sing a song like going from glory to glory, there's something inside of you that says, yes, yes, all the frustration and all the difficulties of this life are going to be over one day, and there's going to be perfection in the presence of Almighty God. And then at the same time, there's that, there's that desire and that heart that says, and I'm going to get as much of heaven on earth as I possibly can. And Jesus, when he sat down with his disciples, says, when you pray, pray like this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth, right, as it is in heaven. We all have a house we live in, an apartment we live in. When you move into a house, what's the first thing you do? You finish the house, right? You hang pictures, you move furniture around. If you're a guy, you move furniture nine times for your wife because it's not in the right place. Oh, yeah, let's put it over there. I think it's fine here, babe, really, honestly. Now, the thing that was amazing about my wife is that when I'm not home, she can move anything, right? When I get home, she can move nothing. Now, now, Help me understand this. We used to have this large roll-top desk. I don't know. It took like three guys to move it. And I remember coming home one time from work, and the desk was on the other side of the room. I said, Tammy, who moved the desk? She said, I did. I said, wait a minute. How did you move the desk? She said, I just started nudging it and just nudged it and nudged it. And, 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 and before long, it was on the other side of the room. I said, well, how come when I get home, you can't nudge anything over? You got to have me to nudge things, right? You got to have me to pick it up, got me to move it. I don't know. But... We're going to talk today about King David and King Solomon and the temple or the house of God. That house of God of Solomon and David, all right, is symbolic, okay, is a picture of your house, the temple of God. You are the temple of God because God's spirit lives in you. So what we want to do is we want to finish the house. Some of you need to put some things on the walls of your house. 
you're missing some things. Some of you need to take some pictures off the walls of your house. There's some things in your house that don't belong there is what I'm trying to say. And God can't fill the house until you get some things out of the house. And when you get things out of the house, God will bring in the Holy Spirit and move things into your house that need to be in the house so the house is filled with the glory. You see, it may not be a reluctance on God's part. It may be an apprehension on your part to trust him that the stuff in your life that you don't need, you don't need. And when you find out you don't need them, God will show you what you do need and you'll be fully satisfied because Jesus said, my joy do I give unto them, not as the world gives, but I give them my joy that their joy might be made full. And until we function in the fullness of the joy of God, we're always going to be living on junk food in our spiritual life. We're going to be putting stuff in that doesn't satisfy, doesn't nourish, doesn't fulfill, doesn't do anything that's designed to do. And we're going, how come I'm always hungry? How come I'm never satisfied? Because you're eating the wrong diet. The Spirit designs a house. First Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 12 says this, the plans for all, all that he had were by the Spirit. Do you realize that neither Solomon, David, or anyone else designed the tabernacle or the, or the temple? The Bible says the Spirit of God designed the temple. Do you realize you don't design your temple? God does. By God's Spirit, he designs it. The Spirit designs the house, and then the Spirit will give you understanding as to how the house works. Look at this, 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 19. The Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. Now, I don't want you to read that verse too quickly. I want to, I want to go through it one more time. Look what it says. The Lord made me to understand in writing. You see, what God was doing was writing on the tablet of their heart. You see, if you, write, if you read a piece of paper, you can read it and then throw it away. But when God writes on the tablet of your heart, it's there for good. God wants to write on the tablet of your heart so it's indelibly marked on there and it cannot be removed. And he says, I, he said, my, his hand was on me. When his hand gets on you, then you see all the works and the plans. The Bible says in, in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now listen to the next part. In all your, in, and lean not on your own understanding. Don't trust your understanding. You say, well, I'm pretty smart. You're not smart enough. Lean not on your own understanding, but in always acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will give you direction in your life. Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 14, look what it says here. John 14 and verse 26. These things have I spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. So who's the teacher? Not me. I can only speak to your mind. But when I speak to your mind, then your spirit man and the Holy Spirit can take that, transfer that into your spirit, and he can teach you all things. So ultimately, the Holy Spirit's your teacher. That's why whenever you read the Bible, the first thing you should always pray is, Holy Spirit, would you teach me from the word? Would you open my eyes up so that I can see? Don't just read along until you kind of get a, a holy zap. No, just say, Holy, holy Spirit, I need, to, I need to know what I'm getting into here before I get into it. I want you to be my eyes. I want you to be my ears. I want you to see it. It says, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have written unto you. So everything I've written to you, he says, I'm going to bring it back. Have you ever been in a situation where, you just needed uh, a word from God and you didn't know what it was and all of a sudden it came out of your mouth and go, man, I, I didn't even know I memorized that scripture. 
And you may not have got it 100% right, but you know, you got it pretty much there. And the Holy Spirit was drawing from your spirit man. He was bringing it forth in your conscious mind, delivering it through your mind, out of your mouth, so that it would be appropriate for that situation and it would build up everyone around you. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. Okay, let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. How do I know truth? You can only know truth by the Holy Spirit and his word. Okay? Truth cannot be determined apart from that. John 17, 17, thy word, O God, is truth. Jesus said, what is truth? Thy word is truth. Thy word, O Lord, is fixed in the heavens. The flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of God abides forever. The words of the Lord, they are pure words. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. Like, like gold refined in a furnace of fire seven times. You see, the word of God is true. Thy word, O Lord, is fixed in the heavens, the Bible says. So it says here, he will guide you into all truth. All truth is he will guide you in the word. Have you ever heard people say this? It's so funny. Christians will say this. Well, you know, the Bible says to speak um, uh, the truth in love, and I'm just telling you the truth. No, you tell me your opinion. If you're telling me the truth and you're saying, here's the word of God, and I'm going to speak the word of God to you with love. You see that? We kind of mix it up. We think we have great insight and we have the truth in all things. No, the Holy Spirit has the job. You don't. If your resume doesn't say Holy Spirit, you don't get to do that. Right? There's another verse that says the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and coming judgment. Well, I know Christians who think that's their assignment. Convict the world of sin, righteousness, and coming judgment. No, 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 that's the Holy Spirit's job. Let him do his job. Amen? All right, so if somebody's acting like the Holy Spirit to you, say, I'm sorry, you're not the Holy Spirit. All right, you got the guts to do it? Somebody's going to come back and get all, I'm going to have to solve some problem. We got in a big fight, all right. Okay, let's see what it says here. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority. He speaks from the Father and the Son, and, and, they get, and, and the Holy Spirit gets his authority from the Father and the Son. Whatever he hears, he will speak. That's what ought to be your idea. When the Spirit of God speaks to you, you speak. Just stop. I'm not going to speak. Have you ever been in a situation where you said the wrong thing? Anybody? Or am I the only guy with the foot-shaped mouth, right? Right? You just go, why did I say that? Why did I do that? You know, you, what we have to do is just step back and go, okay, Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? Would you guide me in this situation? He, will, he hears and he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now, this is powerful. A lot of people run by this. They don't see it. The Holy Spirit is prophetic in the sense that he can guide you and help you interpret the past he can give you insight and power in the present, but he can also show you things that are to come. That means he can take the word of God, he can show you and help you understand prophetic words that are spoken about in time events. He also can speak to you about life events tomorrow and the rest of your life. He can give you little glimpses and little insights. The prophetic conference we have coming up in October, and by the way, we will sell out of that by October 1st because we're running about three weeks ahead of last time we had Kim Walker here. So I just know if you don't get your ticket by October 1st, you're not going to get a ticket, okay? I promise you. It's just not going to happen, okay? So Because we're running so fast, 
people are buying those tickets up like crazy. We want you to be there so you can begin to understand what does it mean to have this gift? What does it mean to be able to operate in the Spirit of God so that I not only understand the past, the present, but I also have some insight into the future? So it says, he will tell you things to come, and he will glorify me. So whenever the Holy Spirit comes, he's always going to lift up Jesus. That's what it says. For he will take what is mine, and he will declare it to you. Now, we want to go on. We, we want to finish the house. We want to furnish the house. You know, when we, when we bought this building a little over two years ago, we began this journey of renovating. This entire, this whole area here was a sorting room for mail, which you're sitting in right now. All right? Those are the loading docks where the trucks backed up and they picked up the mail. And we began this journey of, of, of transforming this place, and in 120 days, we transformed this entire facility from a post office into a church. We got down to Friday, and we had no permission from the city. We didn't have the final uh, sign-off from the city that we could move in. And we were a nervous wreck, right, in the spiritual realm, okay? We're going like, God, I know you want us to, because we've already told everybody, Sunday's our first Sunday. We've already closed down our other place, we got nowhere to go. This is it. And there were times there where we're just like, we're painting, we're pulling, we're pushing, we're doing this, we're doing that. And we thought, you know, it's just going to happen. We have to furnish the house too. We have to finish the house. We have to furnish the house. You know what the house does? The house glorifies the owner. You know, when, when my wife decorates our house, it's a piece of her. It's the paintings, it's the furniture, it's put in the place where we want because it's going to glorify the owner. The owner comes, oh, I like the way you've decorated your house. And, you know, and, and, and ladies, you know when, when somebody says that, you just kind of beam. You go, yeah, thank you very much, and you'll get all excited about it. First Chronicles chapter 29.1 says, the temple is not for man, but it is for God. Your, your body is a temple of God. It's not for you. You get to enjoy it. You get to steward it, but it's for God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? See, when you become a believer, the first thing that happens is the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. And he's going to guide you from the inside out. It says, Who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You don't own you. God owns you. You gave over rights when you said, I believe in Jesus Christ. For you were bought with a price. The price was Jesus dying on the cross for you. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Did you notice? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, human spirit, where the Holy Spirit lives. You want to have your spirit man, your spirit glorifying God just as much as your body glorifies God. Amen? All right. You have to set your affection on the house. Do you know that the church is God's redemptive plan for the world? He only had one. He only had one redemptive plan for the world, and that was the church. Jesus said, I died to establish the church. The church is my bride. He's not marrying anybody else. He's marrying the bride. You can not like church. You can dodge church. You can, you can set your affection somewhere else, but you're still bypassing the redemptive plan for mankind, which is the local church. And here's what, here's what Solomon said, I have set my affection on the house. You should set your affection on your house, this temple. You should set your affection on this house, this place we meet, 
You should set your affection on God all the time. I have set my affection on my house, and I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for my holy house. He said, and here's what he's saying, I can't give enough for the house. You know, we're all busy. Anybody here not busy? I, I, we, we ran into somebody the other day, uh, um, and I hadn't seen him in a while, and I said, how you doing? And he goes, you know, it's standard line anymore. Oh, man, I'm really busy. And I go, yeah, you got anything new? Everybody's really busy. And he, he looked at me and goes, you know, that's right. I'm just kind of tired of hearing how busy everybody is. I'd like somebody to go, you know, I'm bored out of my brain. I don't have anything to do. You got anything for me? Right? But, you know, do you, if you ever get too busy for the house of God, you're too busy. I don't care. You say, well, you don't know my life. No, but I know this word. This word trumps your life any day of the week. If your life is trumping the word, you've got another problem. You need to get that problem solved. Then you can work on your, your time management issues. Because I promise you, you've got as much time as anybody else. How you're using it is a difference. I think it was John Calvin who said, if I didn't pray four hours a day, I would never get anything done. The idea is when you honor God, God will honor you. He will accelerate your time, and he will give you advancements you never thought possible because you put him first. God always honors the one who honors him. If you set your affection on the house of God, he says, I'll take care of everything else. You see, here's, here's why I'm so adamant about this. Here's why I think we should press hard into God now more than any other time in history. I believe that, that the greatest spiritual outpouring of God is going to come at the end of the age. I believe we're going to see an outpouring of the Spirit at the end of the age. It's called the latter rain in the book of Joel. There's the former rain and the latter rain. The latter rain is going to come, and it's going to be God's final act of mercy on mankind before the coming of the Lord. Now, people say, well, hasn't there always been a promise of the return of the Lord? Absolutely. Haven't people always said that he's coming back soon? Absolutely. But here's the difference. Facts. When did the end times, when did the last days really, really begin? They had a beginning, but when did they hit a point where you could begin to chronicle it and see it? It began in 1948. Let me explain to you. I'm going to take you a little bit on end-time prophecy, help you understand the days we live in. So what happens in the early 30s, there's a despotic ruler that rises up in Germany. And what he does is he basically begins an attack on the Jewish people. Why? Because he knew the promises of Scripture. So what happens is the Holocaust begins, and at the end of 1945, there's 6 million Jews who are dead. Now, why is that so significant for the enemy, Satan? It is because there's the promise of Isaiah chapter 66 that a nation, the nation of Israel, would be born in one day. It asks the question, will a nation be born in one day? If God does it, it will. So what happens, 1948, all of a sudden, uh, here comes Israel, here comes this ragtag group of people from different parts of the world to establish a homeland. What makes it significant is Israel had not been a nation for 2,500 years. In 606 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came into Jerusalem, racked it, destroyed it, and took away captives from it, and Israel ceased to be a nation in 606 B.C. 
It wasn't until 1948, 2,500 years later, that it became a nation by a miracle of God. It's never happened in any other nation, and it will never happen in any other nation because it was an act of God. That began the prophetic clock. It begins to tick. Now, all of a sudden, you start marking things and seeing what happened. So what are the, what's the first thing that Israel does in 1950 is they establish the law of return, the law of return said that any Jew living anywhere can have immigration status. They can have status in citizenship in Israel, and they can come in. All they have to do is prove they have Jewish blood. All right, now that's pretty significant because now you've put an open door to immigration. Now, let's just go a little bit further and see what God does here. So what happens is in Zephaniah, the prophet says in Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, I'm going to call my people, Israel, out of the land of Ethiopia. Ethiopia? Are there Jews in Ethiopia? Indeed, there were. Let me explain. King Solomon has a relationship with the Queen of Sheba. The bloodline of the Jews is very strong in Ethiopia because of that marriage. When it was discovered there were a lot of Jews who were Ethiopians, Jewish bloodline, Israel offered to send airplanes in and bring any Jew from Ethiopia into Israel. And that first group came, Operation Solomon came, and it began that movement in 1984 where they brought in about 30,000 Jews. Then in 1991, they brought in another huge group of Jews. And then in 2012, they brought in what they believed was the last Jewish bloodline from Ethiopia of people who wanted to immigrate to Israel. Now, what makes that significant? That didn't happen for 2,500 years. It wasn't even possible. It wasn't on anybody's radar except God's. The prophet Zephaniah fulfilled it. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23. Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 7 and 8, God says, I'm going to call my people out of Russia, out of the Northlands. Now, here's communist Russia. They're holding on to everybody they can. They're persecuting everybody they can. And all of a sudden, for some reason, they come to their senses spiritually, let's say, in 1989, and they say all Jews who want to leave can leave. And 1.1 million Russian Jews leave Russia, and they immigrate into Israel. Now, you might look at it and say, well, Russia did that. No, God did that because he spoke to Jeremiah the prophet in 700 B.C. 2,600 years before that happened, it happened. You say, well, does that really prove we're living in the last days? Okay, let me just take you a little further. Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. There's a strange group of nations that are listed there, Gog and Magog, uh, Persia, Tagarma, and Gomer, and their names like, who are those people? Gog and Magog is the ancient name for Russia. Persia is the ancient name for Iran. Gomer is the ancient name for Germany. And Tagarma is the ancient name for Turkey. Now, it says there in Ezekiel that these nations are going to come together in a coalition against the nation of Israel, but they will suffer a great loss and Israel will prevail. What makes it interesting is those nations are now in a coalition. Never in history have they been in a coalition before. The Bible says that when they come in against Israel, that God is going to bring judgment and every wall in Israel will fall to the ground. You know what every wall means? Every wall. Right? So there is a wall that holds up the Muslim mosque in Jerusalem. 
When it says every wall, it says every wall. That's the site of the original temple of the Jews. During the Great Tribulation, the Bible says the temple will be rebuilt and they will return to the sacrifice of the Old Testament, but they have to have a temple. So what happens is the walls fall, the earthquakes come, every wall falls, the mosque goes down into the Jezreel Valley, they are victorious, the man of peace enters in, the Antichrist, he enters in, he allows the Jews to rebuild the temple on the Temple Mount, and they return to the sacrifice of their fathers. That's happening today. So there's a movement in Israel called the Temple Movement. It's Orthodox Jews. They're rebuilding all the, all the uh, um, different furniture that goes into the temple, but they came up against one thing that was a problem. In Numbers, the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter uh, 19 that they need the ashes of the red heifer. Now, this is an odd thing. Because in the sacrifice, what they would do is they would offer this red heifer, which is an anomaly of nature, okay? They would offer this, this red heifer, and what they would do is they take the ashes, and it was part of the cleansing that would take place during the sacrifice offering of the Jews for their sin. But the red heifer disappeared from planet Earth 2,000 years ago until 1972. And a farmer who happened to be a believer was raising his cattle, and he looks out and he says, by Joe, I think I have one. After 2,000 years, the red heifer reappears. He contacted the Orthodox Jews in Israel. They flew over. They examined the red heifer. They said it appears to be a legitimate red heifer. That means it cannot have one black hair, white hair, gray hair, any other color. It has to be 100% red heifer. They flew it back to Israel to make sure that it was legitimate, make sure it wasn't dyed, make sure there wasn't anything, they discovered that indeed it was a true red heifer. And since that time, the Arkansas farmer, cattleman, has produced dozens of red heifers. Never in history in the last 2,000 years, you're living in the fullness of time, the fullness of revelation, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. There are going to be things that are going to be happening at an accelerated pace in the days that lie ahead, there are going to be signs and wonders. There are going to be miracles. There's going to be movement of the Spirit like you've never seen before. But most people, most believers on planet Earth will not even understand it. See, the Jesus said this. He said, some that follow me are unfit for the kingdom of God. Because, because they put one hand on the plow to plow for the kingdom, but they're always looking back because they're still in love with the world. You can be rich or poor and be in love with the world. It has nothing to do with your economic status. It has to do with your heart. It has nothing to do with your zip code. It has to do with your heart. And I really believe what's going to happen is some of this outpouring of the Spirit, some of the things that God is going to do in the last days, is going to happen in, in, in small places, in small ways, but in big ways. Because God loves to do that. We've got to fill the house. We've got to fill the house. I got to tell you, I went to the mall the other day. My wife needed some makeup, and I decided to go shop for jeans. You guys like to do that? I don't really like it. I don't like the experience. Um, but I, I was shopping, and I found something. I actually took the label off. I want you to see it really does exist. There are jeans called Kinetic. I bought a pair of Kinetic jeans, okay? I didn't know what Kinetic jeans meant. You know, I had to kind of look it up. Uh, but anyway, I go up to buy the Kinetic jeans, and, and I'm buying these jeans. And she said, would you like to try them on? And I said, no, mm -mm. Right, guys, we don't try stuff on, right? If it fits, we wear it. If it doesn't, our wife takes it back. It's the way it works. 
So she says, do you want to try them on? I said, no, 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 I'm not trying them on. She said, why not? I said, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to fit. And if I, if I at least try them on at home, I've got a few hours of hope. You know what I mean? They might fit. So I get home and my wife says, hey, why don't you try those jeans on? And so I'm not trying them on until after the weekend. She goes, what do you mean you're not trying? No, no, I want the whole weekend to enjoy the fact they might fit. All right? Now I look up kinetic. Okay, so here's what it says. It says, the slight stretch construction of the kinetic gene, all right, must have in every, uh, must have in every wardrobe, helps you stay comfortable all day long. That's code for saying if you're fat, you need to buy some kinetic jeans because it'll stretch with you in every direction. Amen? I'm buying nothing but kinetic jeans right now. You know, I can just, you know, I, they, they can move with me. I eat a little bit more, they move. That's what that means. Amen? And I got it home and I said, you know, God, I want to be kinetic. I want the Holy Spirit when he fills me to have the freedom to move and to stretch in every direction. Amen? That God's always moving, always stretching. We want to fill the house. Second Chronicles chapter 5, and we're going to fill it with revelation. The revelation comes. Second Chronicles 5.10, nothing was in the ark except the two tablets. So they bring the ark of the covenant in. The only thing that's in there are the two tablets, the Ten Commandments, which Moses put there at Oreb. And when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they had come out of Egypt. So one thing you have to have is revelation. You see, a lot of people, they're, they're content with knowledge. Knowledge will always make you angry. Because there's always somebody with more knowledge, and you'll find yourself battling the Bible over knowledge. Forget it. It's revelation. By the Spirit of God, God shows you. And then the next thing is mercy. You see, the Ark of the Covenant on the top of it was a mercy seat. And that was where God looked at our sins, and he said, they're no more. I don't see them anymore. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Then the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord into the place, into the inner sanctuary of the temple of the most holy place, under the wings of the cherubim. You start with revelation from God, and it'll give you mercy for other people. Show me a person without mercy, and I'll show you a person that doesn't have revelation. They have knowledge. You see, they're so consumed with what the Bible says has said that they don't know what God is saying. That's really powerful if you can get a hold of that. You know what it says, but you don't know what God is saying through it to other people. God is always a God of mercy. Revelation and then mercy. And watch this last part, glory. Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13 and 14, when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and they praised the Lord saying, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 that when he comes back, he's coming in a cloud. And he's going to meet, we're going to meet him in the air. Amen. We're reaching upward. He's reaching downward. It says the house was filled with a cloud so the priest could not continue ministering. So powerful was the presence of God in the house that the, the priest didn't even know what to do. They couldn't, they couldn't do what they were called to do because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house. See, the glory, wants, the glory of God wants to fill your house, this house. The glory of God wants to fill this house to where we're just... We're just consumed with him. I mean, I don't know about you. Aren't you just done with you? You just had enough of you and what you want. 
What, what if you just got consumed with God and, and it made everything else look better? Heaven. Here's a couple of life applications. Here, the first one is, heaven is reaching down, but are you reaching up? Remember, most of this is initiated from earth upward, not from heaven downward. Don't think you're just going to walk down the street and get struck by spiritual lightning. It's when you reach up to God and say, God, I want you. With all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength, God, I want you. Is when God reaches down and he touches your life. He transforms you. When you acknowledge glory, you receive glory. I have to acknowledge, God, your glory is here. Your presence is here, God. The root word in the Hebrew for the word glory is, is the, is, it comes from a word that means heavy. There's something heavy. There's something substantive about, about glory. That you're aware when you come into the prayer. You feel God. You know that God's there. When you acknowledge that God's there, God has a way of revealing himself to you in that moment. I want you to stand with me right now. Just, just close our eyes. and I'm going to ask you to do something that uh, some of you uh, may be fully comfortable with and others may be hesitant, but this is not... Uh, this is not to do anything other than to help you to, to kind of visualize and to kind of get in motion to what God wants to do. If you want to receive more of the glory of God, I'm going to just ask you to just to lift your hand up to heaven, just in prayer. Say, God, I'd like to have more of your glory in my life. You may not even know what that means. You may say, God, I don't even know what that means. I just know I want more of you. God understands confusion in our hearts. God understands our lack of understanding. God, God accommodates himself to where we are spiritually. When I reach my hand up like that, I'm saying, God, enough of me and more of you. That's all I want, just more of you, God. God, you see the hands that are lifted, and, and God, they're, they're representative hearts, Father. If you feel your hand getting a little bit heavy right now, that just be reminded that glory is heavy. That, that seeking after God is not easy. That when we lift our hand before God, that, that we're saying, God, I want, I want everything that you have for me, Jesus. Fill me right now. And maybe you hear God saying, you know, I can't fill you yet because there's some stuff in your house that need to go. There's some pride that needs to go. There's some things hanging on your wall that needs to go. There's some things that just need to go. You think you need them, you think you want them, but you know they're draining you. Would you just say, God, would you take this in that hand? Just take your hand and just, God, I'm just taking out of me and I'm just throwing stuff out. I'm cleaning house, God. God says, when you clean the house, I'm going to fill the house. Amen? I'm going to fill the house. Just clean it out. Just confess it to God. Say, what if I go do it again? Then confess it again. He loves you. He's the Father who loves you. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to do this. If, uh, if you want more of God's glory and you, you'd like to just, just kind of seal that today with a, with a movement of your feet, I'm going to ask you to come right here at the front. We're going to have a prayer for you for the filling of the glory of God in your life. Just 
move out from where you stand right now. Come quickly. We're not going to take a lot of time doing this, but we want you just to come quickly. Come quickly to the front and, and just say, God, I just want to be, I want to be kinetic, God. I want to, man, I just want to stretch in every direction. I want the Holy Spirit to respond. Just squeeze in tight here, guys. Make room for everybody. Just for the Lord to fill up and just to, the glory to fall. Oh, God, we just pray your glory would fall right now. Oh, just, just with an open heart, with an open mind right now. If you want to lift your hand to him, that's fine. You don't have to. But right now, just say, God, would you fill me right now? And listen. When you say it, then listen. If God says you need to take something out first, just say something like that to him. He understands. God, is there anything I need to get out first? He'll show you. He loves you. He's kind about it. He's not angry with you. Just say, God, I just want to get it out right now. Just take it out. And now say, now, God, just fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit right now. Just say it right out loud. You don't just speak it out loud. Just fill me with your spirit, God. Bring the glory down on my life. Fill my life, oh, God. Fill my life, oh, God. Fill me with your spirit that I might walk in truth and power and love and, and anointing, God. Give him the praise. Just in your own words right now, just thank him. Would you just thank him in Jesus' name? Just right now, just speak it out loud. Just say it out loud. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen, amen, and amen, and amen. God, I just pray now for your hand to be heavy in a good way on every person in this room today. The house might be filled with glory. The power might go forth. That there might be an anointing that is obvious and different than it ever was before. And you prepare us as end-time warriors for what's coming, that we will thrive and not survive. It will be the head, not the tail. The joy, not sadness, will be our message. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, and we give you glory, we give you praise. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, guys, thank you so much. I want you to stay right where you are. I'm going to ask Jared and Lucinda Davidoff to come up here with me. I've got a really cool thing to share with you about our dear brother and some of you uh, don't know, may not know the Davidoffs, but um, uh, they're from South Africa. And about two years ago, I met them. Um, I was praying, and God said, I'm going to send an evangelist to you, and he's going to be a part of your church. And I said, well, how will I know who he is? And he says, well, he'll be the first one you meet. And so uh, we had uh, Ian McCormick here from London, and Jared had was friends with him, and he brought him. And, and so we were having dinner, and I, we got done talking to Ian, and I said, uh, so Ian, uh, or Jared, what are you doing? He goes, I'm an evangelist. And I go, oh, well, you're supposed to come and be a part of Influence Church. And he kind of had that, well, you can only imagine. I mean, yeah, you know, right? And Ian looks at him and goes, yes, these things happen. And, uh, and so anyway, they've been at our church for two years. And we've gone to South Africa with them. They have done a wonderful job. He's, one, in my opinion, one of the great evangelists of the world. And uh, he is ongoing work in South Africa while he's absent he has he has teams he's re, uh, raised up and they're doing great work and then they've we've started Bible clubs here all over Orange County in LA and he started over a hundred of them I think and we have a number of them that operate out of our ministry here and about about a month ago he came to Lucinda and, and Jared came to Tammy and I we sat down and had lunch and and you bought I think it's the first time you've ever bought but because um, he is Jewish it's really it's really a challenge because I'm Dutch and he's Jewish and it's like, you know, it's like an arm wrestle to see who's actually going to pay, right? But, um, but it was such a blessing for them to share. They said, you know, we really just feel like 
like God is leading us to start a church. And they, they have been coming to church here about 20, they're, they're about 20, 25 miles from here. So they've made a big commitment to be here. Almost everything we do, they're here and we love them. And uh, we just wanted to, to bless them. We're going to see more of them. This is a partnership in the kingdom. This is not about, you know, sides and teams and whatever. And uh, we just love you guys. And uh, you're just family. You know, I'd like you to say a word or two if, I don't know. Well, let me just say, it's been such an honor to be here with all of you guys. Uh, I was so surprised when Pastor Phil two years ago said, uh, uh, will you come and join our church? And I, we were praying, Lord, uh, we felt our season was up where we were at. And it, it was just amazing. It's been an amazing two years being here. We love you and Pastor Tammy and all your wonderful team and, and all of you guys. You guys are all family. Uh, it's not like we're never going to see you again. We're only 25 miles away in Newport Beach. Amen. So um, we just really love Influence Church. And I want to encourage all of you guys that are members here, support Pastor Phil, the vision that God has given him, because he's not in it alone. You guys are with him. This is a family. Amen. So whatever gifts and talents you have, I want to encourage you, bring them to the church. If you can sing, if you can do whatever. You can evangelize, uh, whatever your gifts and talents are. Uh, this is such an amazing church to, to plant yourself in, and uh, we're just going to miss you guys. Thank you so much. Hey, let's, let's pray for them and bless them, okay? Father, we thank you for Jared Lucinda. Thank you, God, for their gifts, their talent, for their family, Father. I pray, God, your power, your anointing on them in such a marvelous way. We pray, God, that they're going to do great exploits for the kingdom, that many people are going to be saved, and, uh, God, that your kingdom will thrive and that we can be um, their, their, their brothers and sisters, their encouragement, um, their resource, Father, to, to love them and, and just bless them. And we just pray as they go out that they go out uh, under the anointing and the power and the blessing of this entire church body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. You know, as you go out today, we want to encourage you to uh, go by the prayer wall. If you haven't uh, picked up your fasting book, pick that up. Don't miss next Sunday. Next Sunday is going to blow you away. We've got some stuff we're going to share that's amazing. So if you have to miss any Sunday, don't miss next Sunday. How's that? Amen. All right, go by the prayer wall. Offer some prayers up. God bless you guys. Have a great day in the Lord. We'll see you next time.